Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, let me just say, Abby Leibold is the most supportive uh, of any speaker. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Abby. Hey, welcome to Koinonia. Um, I'm excited to share the word this morning. Uh, my name is Nick, and I'm a part of our pastoral team here. And this morning's sermon is, uh, I'm looking forward to sharing it because I'm feeling rather uncomfortable about it. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> okay, great. Um, we meet uh, a couple times a year with our, our teaching team uh, for Sunday mornings, and we discuss and we, we, we discuss sermon content and pray about, God, where are you leading us? What do you want us to focus on? And so as we were unpacking this idea of the, the Hey Neighbor series, one of the scriptures that we landed on was from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, which says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That sounds like a good idea, right? Maybe not. Um, so we're talking this through, and, you know, we're talking about, like, walking with people who are hurting and, you know, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And, so, and I was assigned that, that scripture specifically. So I start studying it and realize that's not what it's about. Has that ever happened to you before? The classic one, my favorite, is uh, when, when Paul says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we, like, quote that to do things that are truly impossible, like dunk a basketball or something. <laughs> so this is, seriously, right? I can do all things through Christ? No. Paul couldn't get out of prison through Christ, so that's where he wrote that scripture, in prison, by the way. That's why I bring it up as an example. So as we study today, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, I want to show you what is above and below that scripture and how that instruction to bear one another's burdens is going to challenge us as a follower of Jesus to be a humble neighbor. All right, so that's where we're going this morning. So please turn in your Bibles um, with me to Galatians 6, and I'm going to uh, read. We're walking through the first five verses, and this is what we're going to get into today. Are you ready? All right. Galatians 6, Paul is writing here, and he says, Brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Then we have our scripture, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor." For each will have to bear his own load. Now, I imagine you're feeling similar to me when I opened up my Bible and read these scriptures, and you think to yourself, what is this about? (laughs) Paul is not really a simple writer, and so this is what I was struggling with as I was studying this passage. So look, we're going to spend a lot of time in verse 1, because verse 1 helps us understand the context in which we, as humble neighbors, can bear one another's burden. Now, verse 1, if anyone is caught in transgression, what Paul is saying here is like, yo, if you catch someone doing something wrong, 
If you catch somebody sinning, here's what you should do. Uncomfortable. <laughs> so let, let's talk about this a little bit. <clears throat> the kind of catching in transgression that Paul is talking about is not like when somebody gets caught stealing a car. Okay, that, that's, you, you get caught in the act and you're busted. The kind of catching in transgression or in sin that Paul is talking about here is the kind of thing that happens when you cross a line that you didn't know you were crossing. And after you cross that line, you've stepped into doing something wrong. You've stepped into sin. Let me illustrate this. My son Kai does this often. Most toddlers do. So one day, I'm doing the, the dishes at my house, and I'm working away, and Caitlin is um, somewhere, and uh, probably, probably at work, and I'm doing the dishes, and Kai is just playing back here. And then I turn around because I hear this. And Kai is standing in the middle of our dining table, just like, just like so proud of himself that he has made it on top of the dining table. Now, what happened when I did this? I caught my son in transgression. He stepped over a boundary, which was climbing up onto the dinner table, but he didn't know that. He's never been able to physically do that before. So he's like so excited that he's up there. So in this moment... Now, I have a couple of options. The first option is to ignore it, take him off the table and let him keep playing. But what's he going to do? He's going to climb right back up on the table. The second option is to turn around and let my emotions get the best of me. Be like, son, what are you doing up there? You do, we will not let you go on the table in this house. You're having a timeout for 1,000 years. And get it, go away. That's the second option. Uh, and then the third option here is to take Paul's instruction and to... What does Paul say? Restore in a spirit of gentleness. Now, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, what that means, but first, we need to address that, that word in there that's spiritual. He says, you who are spiritual should. Do you see that in your Bible? You who are spiritual. Paul is not saying, like, let, I want to just help you see what that word is communicating. He's not saying, like, you who are spiritual, like, mystical or, you know, frilly or whatever. Um, he's <laughs> like somebody who is just, ooh, that's not what Paul is trying to communicate. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is talking about freedom in Christ and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul uses this term, you who are spiritual, he's referring to everything that he just wrote in his letter. So to be spiritual means that we have received the grace of God it means that we live under the authority of Jesus Christ. And it means that we are now empowered by his Holy Spirit. This is, what, this is what's true about us as believers. And so Paul is saying that kind of person is the one who can respond to catching somebody in transgression with a spirit of gentleness. And the empowerment of the spirit is really, really important when we're dealing with a conflict or we're dealing with sin, when we're dealing with when somebody makes a mistake. And so that is what it means to be spiritual. Now, the spirit of gentleness is quite specific, right? It's a pretty specific spirit to operate in. Just, just look up four verses before. We see the fruits of the spirit. And gentleness is one of the fruits of the spirit. 
And so somebody who is spiritual is rooted in the Holy Spirit in such a way that when they, can ch- they have a choice in front of them to respond out of their human emotional reaction, that's one choice. And the other choice is this fruit of gentleness that has grown because we are rooted in the Holy Spirit. So when Paul is speaking to the church in Galatians, he's expecting that there are some people who are spiritual, who are, have received the grace of Jesus, who live under the authority and rule of Jesus, and who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. I believe there are many of you here who are spiritual in that same sense. And so Paul is speaking to us today. So we've talked about spiritual. Next, I want to talk about this word restore. And the image that comes along with this word restored is the idea of something that was like once out of place or out of joint or dislocated is now put back together. Has anyone ever dislocated something before? Yeah, you hate to put your hand up. If you dislocated your shoulder, you can probably only put your hand up to here. (laughs) Um, But that's really painful, right? It's super painful and super uncomfortable. But Paul uses that idea of dislocation And he connects it to the spirit of gentleness. Like, I've heard stories of these big giant guys who dislocate their shoulder, and the doctors, like, got their foot in their armpit, and they're like, yeah. There's nothing gentle about that. But Paul is describing here, this is how he is challenging those of us who are spiritual to respond when we catch somebody, like he says, in a transgression. So, my son Kai, for example, uh, he has stepped out of the truth. He has, he's been dislocated here when he crosses the line and climbs on the table. And as I restore him, I am putting that joint back to how it should be. Now, when something is dislocated, it needs some time to heal. And that is where verse 2 comes in, bearing one another's burden. This also requires humility. Notice the last sentence of verse 1. Paul says, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I can't restore somebody in a spirit of gentleness if I just assume that I need less of God's grace than they do. And we, we kind of do this, right? We, we, we uh, let me try again. I do this. I often think that I need less of God's grace than other people. And that is not at all a posture of humility. And that is why we must be rooted in the Spirit to help us you know, see how much of God's grace we actually need. And that allows us to extend that grace to others. Now, I want to invite Dad, will you please come up here? Uh, because I need his help to illustrate this idea. Because this is kind of, it's a little bit abstract. Like the example with Kai... Makes sense. Um, But we need another human up here to illustrate. Paul, how does this happen in our everyday life? Hey. Hey. Uh, Now that you're up here, I realize I forgot to explain one important thing. Um, Can I do that first? Yeah, that would be good to do. Okay, thank you. You can just stand there. All right. (laughs) So the thing that I forgot to explain is why Paul even includes this in his letter in the first place. This is helpful context to to realize, like, he's not just making stuff up here. This 
these five verses, we're addressing something specific happening in the church in Galatia. I'll need like two or three minutes. Okay. Okay. I'll stay standing. Sure. <laughs> I'll bear with you. Thanks. Thank you. Nice. Who turned that mic on? <clears throat> so, so throughout the letter to the Galatians, Paul, we read, he's pretty angry. He's, he's like, he's kind of heated and he's writing with some serious passion. And at the beginning of the letter, we read that the Galatians have begun to add different things to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have begun to add like little bits of the Jewish law in order to receive the gospel of Jesus. And Paul is like, yo, stop doing that. And so that's, in general, the purpose of this letter. Now, one of the specific things that was happening is that those who were Jewish were teaching the Galatian believers that the men needed to be circumcised in order to become Jewish, in order to be saved by the Jewish Messiah. So Paul gets super worked up about this because there's a bunch of guys being circumcised when they don't need to be. <laughs> that also would work me up too. Yeah, I'm getting a little worked up wondering about what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. So what was happening was some of these Galatian believers would be taught this, that circumcision was added to the gospel, and they would then go in a setting like this and teach all of you that you must be circumcised in order to receive the gospel of Jesus. And then somebody, like my dad, would come in and catch me in a transgression. Because I don't, I, this is what I've been taught, so now I'm teaching to you. Do you, see, do you see how that works? So that's why Paul is including this here, because this was happening. There was teachers teaching, hey, in order to be saved, you need to be circumcised. And so then, some of the Galatian believers would come along and help bring restoration in a spirit of gentleness to these guys who were teaching something that was not in line with the gospel of Jesus. Do you, do you see that? Yep. Okay, that's important for understanding why this is even in here. Okay, so back to our example. Imagine... Me and my dad are having a conversation, and in this conversation, we're talking about a sermon that I preached, and this, this would, well, actually, this would maybe happen in real life. That's why I'm using it as an example, because it could go both ways. But my dad says something sarcastic to me about a sermon that I preached. And that thing that he says, it, it hurts me. It hurts. It stings. And he doesn't know, because he's trying to be funny, and, you know, he's just being himself. But it hurts. <laughs> just... Just come with me. I have a couple options now in how I respond to this. Number one, I could ignore it. But that does nothing, except for leaves me feeling angry and I don't say anything about it. Number two, I could respond out of my anger and emotion. And I could say, Dad, why? You're an idiot. Why would you say that to me? Don't you know how hard I work on these? What are you thinking? And then I take my anger and the burden of the mistake that my dad has just made and I do this. And I say, this is your problem, and this is your fault. And then I do this. I jump on his back, and I say, I'm your son. You should really love me more. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself here in a conflict? Have you? I have. Thank yep. you. Yep. You can put that down. <laughs> But we do this, right? When we respond out of our anger, 
not only do we just heap the blame on the other person, but then we begin to sin and we begin to tear them down too when we respond out of our emotion. Remember, my dad wasn't trying to hurt me. He was just trying to be funny, but he was caught in a transgression. He crossed a line that he didn't know he was crossing. Now, one thing to clarify here is that when you make a sarcastic comment to me, and that hurts, the reason that that is something that is sinful is because his comments diminish the image of God in me. Hmm. If he beats me at chess, the same thing does not apply here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just want to say, like, just because I feel bad or I feel sad or, or something, but you haven't actually done anything sinful to me, mm-hmm. that, that does not apply. I want, want to clarify that. Is the reason that he has crossed that line into transgression or sin is because his words are diminishing the image of God. That's a good point. In me. Thank you. Yeah. Now, the third option. <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> The third option is for me to respond as per Paul's instruction. What does Paul say? He says we should restore in a spirit of gentleness. So what would that look like? In my conversation with dad, he says something hurtful to me. And then I say, hey, dad, that actually really hurts. And let me tell you why. And as I share what's true about why his sin is hurting me, that is bringing the dislocation back into alignment. That is bringing the restoration. I'm helping him see what he couldn't see before. And maybe what he couldn't see is, hey, Dad, we had a flood at the church the week before, so I had to fix that. Then I had to come in late and figure something else out. And then Kai stayed up all night before I was going to preach, and that's why my sermon came out the way that it did. And being a loving dad, he says, Nick, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. And then he says, this is where the humility comes in here. Then he says, being sarcastic is actually something that I struggle with. And I need your help. Will you please bear this burden with me and keep me accountable? So now, instead of throwing the burden onto my dad, we actually lift it together. Mm -hmm. This is what Paul is calling us who are spiritual us who have received the grace of Jesus and live under his rule and are empowered by his spirit, this is what Paul is calling us to do for our brothers and sisters. And when he adds at the end of verse 1, lest you also be tempted, the reason I use sarcasm is because I am equally as sarcastic as my dad. And the comment could have easily gone the other way. Do you see that? I need just as much of God's grace as he does. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Uh, you can leave that. Oh, yeah. That's Thanks. I still need it. Okay, now we come to verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4, Paul says, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. This connects right back to that that statement from from verse 1. Like, be careful lest you be tempted. Paul says, if you think that you are not as sinful as the next person, you're deceiving yourself. (laughs) And that's why I use the example of sarcasm. Because in that, 
hypothetical yet very probable situation, if I think that I'm never going to make that same mistake with sarcasm, I'm deceiving myself. And then in verse 4, he says, we need to test our own work so that our reason to boast will be in ourselves alone and not in our neighbor. What he's saying here is like, guys, don't, don't just point out the sin of your neighbor to make you feel better. Maybe we don't do it out loud, but I do it in my head sometimes. When my neighbor doesn't cut their grass and I cut mine, we share a front lawn. So that visible, that's visible. <laughs> and then I walk past that, that line in the grass and I'm like, that guy doesn't cut his grass. He needs way more of God's grace than me. Right? But we do this. I would never say that to my neighbor. I would probably never say that to my wife. But I say it to myself. And Jesus hears those conversations. All right. Next we come to verse 5. Verse 5 Uh, is a little bit confusing because now Paul says each of us must bear our own load. So in verse 2, he says um, you should bear one another's burden. And then in verse 5, he says, who closed this? (laughs) Seriously. I think I closed it. Help me, Lord. There we go. Okay, I forget what I was talking about. Oh, yes. Verse 2, Paul says we need to bear others' burdens. And then in verse 5, he says we must bear our own burdens. I had to call up my friend who can read uh, Greek, again, for help with this. These are two different words. In English, it's really easy to associate them, but... In verse 2, the burden that Paul is speaking of is a burden that can't be carried on your own. It's not designed to be carried on your back, and its weight will crush you. But the burden that he speaks of in verse 5 is like a backpack. It is a weight or a load that is designed to be carried. And so this then begs the question, well, what is in the backpack And the things in our backpack, because all of us have one, the things in our backpack are the things that only you are accountable to God for. The things in my backpack are the things that only I am accountable to God for. For example, the way that I care for and serve my wife, that responsibility is in my backpack because she's my wife. I committed my life to her. And nobody else has the responsibility before God of being her husband except for me. Same with how I raise my sons. No one else has that responsibility before God except for me. Do you see that? That's a load that we are designed, that's designed for us to carry. In fact, it is a burden that God places on us because he knows that when we rely on his spirit, we have the strength to carry it because it's not our strength, it's his strength. So I wonder, what is in your backpack? What has God given you a burden for? What is something that weighs heavy on your heart when you see it? 
Maybe you have a burden for helping teenagers navigate their mental health. And when you hear of a young person who's struggling, that weighs heavy on you. Or you see a mom with a million toddlers and she needs your help and that weighs heavy on your heart. That is a burden that God has placed on you because when we rely on his spirit, he's equipping us to then carry that burden. Do you, do you see what I'm talking about? Now, this series, Hey Neighbor, was designed to help us as we interact with the people around us, whether it's the people we live next to or work next to or just spend time around. We don't need to answer the question, who is my neighbor? Just go ahead and insert whoever is beside you. Um, That's the point of this series. And today, I feel the point of this first chunk of Galatians 6 is to help us come to the realization that our neighbors are in here. They're in our backpack. If you scroll up or, you know, just look up on Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then we come down to verse 2, and Paul says, we should bear one another's burdens in order to fulfill the law of Christ. So Jesus calls us to love our neighbors, not only the way that we want to be treated, but he calls us to love our neighbors the way that he treated us. So let that sink in. No longer is Jesus concerned about how much you care about yourself. He's, he is concerned with how much he cares about you. And that is the standard that he looks at for how we care for that guy, our neighbor. What better way, what better strategy for God to use than for him to say to his followers, hey, I want you to show and share my love to everybody, and I want you to start with the people who are right next to you. If you live in an apartment, you're lucky because you have people above and below and beside. You've got lots of opportunity to show and share the love of Jesus. And so what I feel the Spirit is saying to us today is he is reminding us of the weight in our backpack that happens to be our neighbor. Now, maybe you don't need to be reminded of the weight of your neighbor. Maybe their garbage blows into your backyard, or they have a party every Tuesday night and it keeps your kids awake. Or maybe every time you just simply want to take this recycling bin out, put it down, and go back in, they're this guy. You're like, hey, neighbor. You're like, ah, I don't have 35 minutes, John, for this conversation. (laughs) I don't have a real neighbor named John. But these are exactly the kinds of moments where we, as those who are spiritual, have the opportunity to bear the burden. Not in our own strength, maybe not even on our own timeline, but when we are rooted in the Spirit, He equips us to carry this load that He has placed on us. And so today, I am feeling so challenged because I have great neighbors, but I don't... I, don't, I wouldn't say that I remembered until this morning that they're in my backpack. 
that God has given me a responsibility to love them the way that he has loved me. Now, I'm just going to share two really simple things that are going to rock your world about how we can actually do this well. Okay? You ready? (laughs) The first thing that is going to help us love our neighbors the way that Jesus has loved us is we need to actually pray for them. But we need to pray for our neighbors as if God is listening. Because sometimes I pray the thing that I know is right to pray about. And then when I actually see some results of my prayers, I'm like, whoa, you were listening? Serious? So I want to challenge you. Maybe it's not the people you work next to. Maybe I was talking to somebody this week. She's like, I, I was just feeling so encouraged. I walked across the street and I'm like, I'm going to meet this new neighbor who moved in. And she's like, third pastor, forget it. They already got it. <laughs> she's like ready to you know, evangelize and save the world. She's like, ah, forget it. They're, they're already saved. Um, <laughs> just being serious. Um, so we need to pray for opportunities to show and share the love of Jesus to our neighbors as if God is listening. One great way to do this, if you have kids, pray those prayers out loud with your kids because your kids will hold you accountable. I remember my family praying about stuff and my dad would pray something and I was like, dang, okay. I guess he really thinks that's going to happen. He's praying it out loud. Uh, Okay, dad, let's wait and see what happens. Seriously, if you need some added accountability... Pray out loud with your kids. So, how are we going to love our neighbors? Well, first we need to pray for opportunities to actually show and share the love of Jesus to them. The second thing, even crazier, we need to look for the answer to those prayers. And you may find that answer is you. You may find that when you're taking the recycling bin out, the Spirit lays something on your heart to share with your neighbor. You may find that there's a question in your mind to ask your neighbor that you don't know where it came from, but you ask them, and then it opens the door for something more. You know, the Holy Spirit is always at work in the hearts of people around us, and when we are, when, when we are showing and sharing Jesus' love, all that we're doing is partnering with what the Spirit is already up to in the hearts of the people around us. So Quinnia, today my question for you is who, is who is in your backpack? Take some time to pray about that. Think about that. There may be people in your backpack. In fact, I bet you're in someone's backpack and you don't even know. And they pray for you and they talk to God about you. So that's my challenge. Who is in your backpack? And the Spirit will reveal that, and then he will equip you to show and share the love of Jesus in a way that is so real and so life-changing. Not only for the people who live beside us, but for the people who are beside us, wherever we find that God is at work. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this challenge from Paul to bear one another's burdens in conflict. God, may we be so full of the spirit of gentleness that we can't help but bring restoration that comes from your gospel. And God, as we consider who is in our backpack, would you reveal that to us? Would you give us the courage to pray prayers 
as if you're listening, and then God, give us the eyes to see where you are at work answering those prayers and how we might partner with you in that moment. Thank you, Father, for, for Jesus who saves us, for your spirit who equips us, and for the Father who loves us. God, we worship you, and we love you, and we receive this challenge today as your church and as your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.